one shot, one shot, one opportunity to bomb it like you've always wanted. In one moment, one moment, would you hit driver or just lay up? His grips are sweaty, breeze weak, hazards heavy. There's ketchup on his polo already, vodka in the Yeti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting to keep his head down. His group goes so loud, he knows his next move, but his miss freaks him out. He's choking up how everybody's laughing now. The boy's howling, clubs up loud. Snaps back to the left again. Oh, there's a penalty. Oh, reload. Welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast with your hosts, Matt Smith and Jerry Lou. Get myself a little drinky poo here. You see this? This is courtesy of Mr. Ah, ben Bloom got me for Christmas. He said it was for me and the wife, but it's Lagavulin Distillers Edition. They made 410, 510 bottles of these. This is number four. I think Ron Swanson probably has one of those bottles. No, Ron Swanson has his own bottle. Nick Off, there's, have you seen Dog? There is a Nick Offman line of Lagavulin. I have not. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know what's funny? I was talking about this with a coworker the other day. It says here, distilled in 2006, bottled in 2021. To think that this thing was distilled back before, back when I was drinking Johnny Walker Black, thinking I'm the king shit. I mean, mm-hmm. and that, that, that was pretty much the first and only scotch I ever drank. And then next thing you know, here we are. <clears throat> so, and here I am. Here you are, Smitty. How are things up in Canada, buddy? Well, uh, monumentous day here in Ontario, at least. Uh, we're no longer locked down. Oh, cool. Good for you guys. I, I had no, I only assumed the worse and worse and worse in terms of news for you guys. Um, yeah. So I, I went to the gym today, something I haven't done in like 28 days. Who's Jim? Um, uh, that's, that's my friend. We, 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 we call him Slim. Ah, yeah, he makes crappy uh, pepperoni. <laughs> yeah, brother. Um, uh, <laughs> nice Randy Savage attempt. That was so good. Thank yeah, you. brother. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're allowed to do indoor simulator golf again because that was the that was known as the super spreader here in Ontario. Was uh, a bunch mean, of you uh, your club, right? Uh, anywhere in Ontario, we're now allowed to play your own home. Like if you had a simulator, you're by yourself, you're allowed to use it now. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, master (laughs) masturbation was banned as well. You could only do it with, uh, five designated people that you designated before the lockdown. Couldn't masturbate with anyone else. That's Um, a hell of a team plan. Oh my God, dude. And I thought me quitting pot a day ago was hard. I mean, you're going to throw that in there too. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Um, no, in, in all fairness, oh my God. it's it's good to get back to some reality. We can dine indoors again, which is uh, which is great. If you, I heard the funniest thing ever. I think it was I think it was on of all things Joe Rogan again today, and I haven't even heard his statement he put out in terms of the controversy with him lately. But somebody on his podcast said recently, "Isn't it funny how COVID doesn't exist from five feet and down?" So like when you're sitting at a restaurant, it was that it was that uh, that that French Canadian uh, chick who used to be an attorney. Now she's like a a Fisher uh, person, and uh, she, they were, we were just joking about how, like, oh, so there's a curfew, so like COVID comes out at 10 o'clock and not until then, or vice versa. And then, and then I just Thank- never heard the joke today or whatever. She said, like, oh, yeah, so I guess COVID doesn't exist below five feet. <laughs> so when you're sitting at a restaurant, you're immune, or it's, it's not a problem. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, no. When you're sitting in a restaurant, you're below six feet, right? And that's where it spreads. Well, she's pretty short, so I know she said five. No, that's where it doesn't spread. That's where that's oh. that's where we're all allowed to not wear masks. Okay, we're at a certain depth, and it's it's like the opposite of crush depth. If you go too far deep, your boat will get crushed. But this is the opposite. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's good just to be able to know you know do normal things again, which is great. Um, but uh, other than that, it, we did have. Uh, it's kind of funny. I thought it was pretty like tropical-ish weather today. Uh, it was only oh. minus. It was only minus three. <laughs> so wait. So Celsius. minus three on the cell. I, I yeah no. I, so I got like you so like twenty seven, twenty six probably. I just love the sheer fact that like in the upper twenties you consider it tropical, which I can relate to. Like when I lived in Aspen, I used to throw luggage for United Airlines at the airport in the winter time. And yeah, statically, the ambient temperature, it got to like zero degrees Fahrenheit before, but as long as the wind mm -hmm. isn't blowing or whatever, and you're moving around, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> but on days like that, we did get up into like 25, 30 degrees, and we started to wear polos out there on the tarmac. Like it was like, oh, we're getting sweaty, guys. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was playing pond hockey on Saturday, and uh, Saturday morning, it was minus 22 Celsius. Okay. Celsius. I just, I just heard also from that chick on Rogan. She said like, uh, and I didn't know this because I'm a fan of science and numbers and conversions and blah blah blah. But I didn't know that negative forty is the same for Fahrenheit and Celsius. So I mean, you're 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 freaking getting there, dude. Like I've experienced mm -hmm. sub temperatures probably more than twice in my life, but when I felt it was only like really two times. And my God, it was the most ambiently physically painful experience I could ever have. Now, granted the first time I experienced it was in Chicago, February, Lake Effect. It was more so I didn't bring the right clothes. And even though we had a great parking spot from the club and we only walked down one block of a sidewalk, I still had to take 20 minutes to thaw out when I got inside the club because I'm like, my neck hurts. My shoulders hurt from like tensing up. I'm not even like, I'm not even shivering anymore. Or even I am so much to the point where I'm like, ow, I'm hunched. Like, I'm, I'm like, it's Trap City over here, dude. And it hurts. Like somebody pushed my shoulders down. Yeah, like it, it it's weird. Like it, it, it was very cold on Saturday, but there was no wind and it was sunny out. So if you just wore like dark colors, like I said, we were playing pond hockey. It was so cold actually that when we were playing hockey, um, like the ice, when you'd make a, a sharp turn, it wasn't just like, like usually it, the blade doesn't really cut into the ice. Well, it was cutting like chunks out of the ice. So we, we basically had to stop because it was so cold that we couldn't keep it. It was basically, you know, like, you know, like the, baby. Yeah, you, you know, like the, the tray of ice cubes that have been in the freezer way too long that you found underneath the completely. <laughs> yeah and like basically like you touch the tray and they just all like turn into dust that was kind of how cold it was it, it does transcend like it gets so cold where it's just like matter goes into a different state of disintegration where it's just like yeah. if you were to have a squirt gun and you were shooting midair it'd probably turn into like powder or dust just like poof just like we we're not even gonna freeze coming out the gun there's it, it, there's too much time you're just goof, gone <laughs> exactly so so yeah other, other than that you know def sorry Oh, sorry. Sorry. I said good news for Ontario. Yeah, exactly. What's up with you? It's been an interesting few days. Um, I, I, I'm working every day at the resort. I'm carrying a bag or two just about every day. But it's weird because I'm in this like week-long malaise of I'll work for somebody for a couple of days. They'll love me. And then all of a sudden I will be, now according to us and how the system works, I'll be fired from the job. Now that sounds harsher than it is, but due to technicality's sake, you still get quote unquote fired. Like that's the word, the F word. 
I found out this was uh, yesterday morning. I've been working with this guy. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, even though I want to rip him a new one, but he's a nice enough guy. But I want you to unpack this a little bit with me. Uh, he's 50 years old from Portland, Oregon. So he's a local boy. That's five hours away from the resort. One mm-hmm. of the things about this time here and those local boys coming down here is you can drive five hours, play around a golf and drive home. If you so want to do it, you can mm-hmm. piecemeal out the resort. You don't have to come down for five days and like fight for lodging or pay it and or pay for lodging. So I had this fella, nice enough guy. I was like literally our first two rounds. I wasn't trying to say I was teaching him golf, but I was noticing a lot of his consistent misses after a while. Is Augie snoring? <laughs> I think he farted actually. It's what I heard. That's a, you heard him fart or do you smell with your ears? <laughs> what? Sorry, I had my nose plugged. <laughs> so anyways, um, like for example, this guy, I only worked for him for two rounds and on the 12th fairway at Sheep Ranch, which ties into that one thing I told you about a comet hitting a comet that we'll talk about. This happened on that same hole, so to speak. But when he was, he was about 80 yards out uh, hitting his, it's a tough par four. He was hitting his third shot in. Because if you don't hit a good drive of that hole, you're probably not reaching the green. It's just, it's, it's a big boring hole. But if you hit a crap drive, you're at the bottom of a hill. If you hit a good drive, you're on the same floor as the green and everything. So anyways, he kept hitting his five iron, beautiful five iron, kept hitting it. He's 70 yards out. And he, as he was about to hit, I noticed his lob wedge. He had it way far forward in his stance. And when he hit, it was a pure lob wedge. If you had it up where like, say your driver would go off your, for a right-handed player off your uh, big left toe. Left foot. So, so I, I finally, at one point, I just I told him right there, I'm just like, oh, dude, I didn't want to back you off the shot. But I mean, listen, if you have driver, it should go here. If And then every club, unless you're one of those fixed position ball players, which by the way, kudos to you guys. That's one of the most attractive facets in the golf game, where if you leave your ball in the same place in your stance for every shot, your dick's a foot longer than mine. I don't care. <laughs> anyway, so he, like I told him, I taught him like lob wedge center your stance or a sandwich, if you will, for any amateurs listening out there. And then driver goes all the way out towards your forward foot, depending on your dexterity. And then since then, he was hitting a lot better. Cool. We had a great rapport. Other than him being a San Francisco Giants fan, and I eventually admitted I was a Dodger fan, that's probably the only thing that could have gone wrong. But ultimately, it was the next morning, yesterday morning, I'm sitting at the Caddyshack with Miguel, my boy, and Gary Guidus, your friend Paul, who called in last week. (laughs) Our guest caller, Paul. We hung out a bit and played some golf since we uh, since he came on last week, and it's it's a riot. He's he was thrilled to death that you talked to him hockey, and he's got so much more stuff loaded for you. I mean, he should just call you sometime. But anyways, um, watch him start calling every every. He calls you at like five thirty Pacific time every Monday. Six p.m. Monday. I'll probably I'll probably Monday. get ring right now in thirty four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, which is good for him. I don't. He deserves it. He keeps trying to call it. <laughs> anyways. So um, back to my golfer uh, yesterday morning, I'm standing out the, at the uh, smoke pit at the caddy shack with the other caddies who are friends of mine who are on the same job. And um, Gary gets called out 10 minutes before me. I'm with Miguel Barajas. Request him. He's a great guy. And um, all of a sudden, one of our managers comes out, this guy named Chris. Chris and I have a real funny rapport where anytime we talk to each other, something bad's happening to the job that I have or like something. So it's just we have bad luck, the two of us. He's, he's, he's the Grim Reaper. But he knows it, too, to the point where half the time, when he comes to me, half the time, he'll either have a really good job, the other half the time, he'll be like, Jerry, stay away from me. You know, we're bad luck. And he's a, he's a sweetheart of a guy. He's real funny. So he came to me and gave me the whole spiel. He said, 
so your golfer called in late last night, like nine, nine thirty. Nobody's at the caddy shack passes like sundown. And especially the afternoon person who's usually running the hub they're Yeah. Like they're going to take your message and write down what you want. I'm sorry. It's just the way it fucking goes. But anyways, <clears throat> we just get our 10 minute call to go on the shuttle, me and Miguel and manager Chris comes out and I finished my butt, finished my story with uh, my buddy Casey and Chris decides to lay out to me. He said, so you're, and this is kind of how he sounds like, so you're a golfer. He, uh, we, we, I'm sorry. We just now got to the voicemail this morning. Cause if there's a couple, we'll get to them fast. But if there's like a dozen, we'll get to them whenever evidently your golfer called and left a message and said, he, I really like Jerry Lou. I really, really like him, but I just don't think I need a caddy for the last two days. I, I might even play the last two days. I don't know. And I'm just sitting there the whole time letting Chris say this. And when he was done, I like threw my butt out and I said, so hey, you're fucking with me, right, Chris? Cause this is what we do. This is our little banter of like funny, bad news. And he's just like, that's when his eyes got bigger. He's like, Oh no, no, Jerry, I'm serious. And I'm just like, you're kidding me. This guy who I had a great rapport with, who I was teaching golf to, who was paying me just fine. It was paying me 130 the first day, 140 the second day. Can't complain. Next thing you know, whatever. I remember him telling me, well, he even sent him the message that he might not golf his last two rounds. I'm sitting there going, look, all these retards are in Ryder Cup formats and their own internal competition, so to speak. As much as I want to see people quit, I've never seen anyone quit their internal game until like the last round when it's a practice round or a fun round, whatever. He's a San Francisco 49ers fan. Sorry, God rest your souls. But I remember him talking. We were talking distinctly all day Saturday and Sunday morning how, no, all day Saturday and Friday when I had him, how the bad weather on Sunday was coming in at 4 o'clock. We were teeing off at 10. The Niner game starts at 3, 3.30. All this was just coming to a head where I'm like, oh, we're going to have a great day. We're going to Sheep Ranch. You're going to like this, that, whatever. Funny enough, though, as Chris, my manager, told me the bad news, I was like, all right, well, you want me to stick around and free agent, you know, wait for another job? He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get you on something. I'm like, cool. Lo and behold, I get on a job so fast. I'm on the same shuttle with the caddies from the group that I just got, like, removed from, so to speak. So I went out at the same time, worked for this great guy. He's a police officer up in Portland, hold your judgments. And he, uh, excuse me, oh. That scotch gives you a little bit of the hiccups. I had him for one day. It was his first day. He even, him and his friend said he's only taking caddy for the first round. I ran to the first tee to meet him. Great guy. Um, I didn't realize he was that bad a golfer until like his friend came up to me on the 17th green. He said, he has never played this well in his life. You have to caddy for him for the next three days. And I'm just like, well, here's, here's the number to call the shack. Here's what you do. And then I pull up my schedule. And I'm like, oh, they got me working with somebody else Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Ah, bummer. Whatever. It turns out the guy I work for today, who I hopefully will have for the next two days because we like each other and everything's going well, he's a tugboat salesman. <laughs> Talk about a job, dude. <laughs> Is that like a code word for something else? <laughs> I wish, but no, no. Hey, screw you. Take it from a former coastie and somebody who's maritime oriented. That's cool. That's like that some, that's cool. like you built the pirate ships and sold them to people. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, you you're responsible for all this, but you didn't, you're a land lover. Not to mention he's from Alabama. I saw his name on the sheet. His name was Bo, B-O. And I just looked at my friends going, is that short for something? Is Bo short is, for something? No, is, his, is his last name like Atwood? So the first four letters of his name are Boat? Oh, God. I wish I would have called you two hours ago. That, that would have been so much funnier. I would have I like sharpened that joke really well. That's really good. <laughs> no, his last name was McCall. Um, but uh, and he's based out of Bo Portland, but... Tugboat McCall. That sounds like a good Ooh. Alabama name. Well, so case in point, um, I uh, what do you think? What do you think his nickname is? Tuggy, it's Bo. 
No, that's that's the thing. Like, so to, sorry to get to the the root of like the name. Like, I thought like, sorry, oh, it's spelled. Sorry. Is it spelled B E A U, like short for Beauregard or something French or whatever? And no, it was B O. And I asked him, I was just like, so what's that short for? He's like, it's a nickname. I'm like, I knew it. And he said, like, and I'm from Alabama. I'm like, I double knew it. Like, that's just how the South works in America. Like, you know, I'm my Texas friends called me Jerry Lou. Nobody I know called me Jerry Lou except all my friends from the South, and it's stuck and it's got a good ring to it. But um, yeah, tugboat salesman. I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, but newer but, used. Oh God, I I would assume what I know about the maritime market, unless you're a really, really rich pleasure boater and don't give a crap, you have to be in the new department. You really have to. Like when it comes to a lot of things, like I know, like let's just say Ford, Ford the Ford Motor Company, they make certain cars for America. Well, they make certain cars in Mexico and Australia that we'll never see and vice versa. Mm-hmm. When it comes to boats though in America, like ships, I can vouch for this much at least in that when we lay the keel down on a boat and we get our use out of it, we resell it to third world countries and they're more than happy to buy them. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a, not a predictable atmosphere, but it, it kind of is. So they, they make but, good uh, shrimp in boats too. <laughs> Indeed. Now, but to get back to a point where I was telling you earlier, and I want to, this is just one little story I want to share with you talking about like, so when I was with that guy who, Evidently didn't. Oh, and I caught up with the caddies again who were with the, this group for the last two days. And one of them gave my golfer a big dressing down about like, he's like, hey, it was Miguel. He's like, hey, Marcus, why didn't, why didn't you take Jerry's a caddy? He's a good caddy, man. He's a good guy. Why, why didn't you want him, man? That's how he talks. Oh, he used to be our only Mexican. Man. He was proud of it, but. <laughs> well, is he, is he Tony Montana's brother or something? Hey, man. See, that's, that's the second time I've done a Spanish accent today and it sounded Cuban. So excuse me. <laughs> But anyways, uh, so uh, basically what I heard from uh, Paul Gaidos, our caller, who was on the job as well, he told me that um, he overheard what the guy said to Miguel and the golfer said like, yeah, Jerry's great, Jerry's great. I just, I felt like, and these were the words I heard, I felt like I could do better without him. Now, of all the excuses I heard and all the moments leading up to that, that would have been the last thing I would have expected to hear in terms of an excuse. I was literally teaching this guy how to golf, and I hate doing that to people unless they really need it. Or he's 50 years old. I When I told him where to put the ball in a stance, I saw the top of his head explode. And I, and I like seeing those moments where I'm like, yes, yes, it's a simple thing. It's a simple thing. Do it from here on out. We're good. Like I, I like discovering revelations like that in golf as I go. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we're back to number 12 at Sheep Ranch on Saturday. Um, and, uh, we didn't hit in the good spot. This was, uh, like I said, right before I, this was right before I taught him where to put the ball in a stance. He hits his five run up there. This other guy in our group with a rickshaw, a nice fellow named Denny. He's in the rough a little bit. He hits a real scuzzy low shot up the hill through the rough and into this. It's about a beach blanket size salad bar of six to eight inch real thick green rough i wouldn't even call it fescue it is just like a real a patch of like unmown grass it's very really healthy real- it's healthy it, that's why i call it the salad bar leave the pudding at home so he i wouldn't even say he scalded like he was hitting uphill from a bad lie he scuzzes one right into the rough into this bank of rough and two balls shoot out one shoots 50 yards down the fairway towards his target He's still like 150 out. The other pops out to the side. So here's our first part of the one in a million to one in a billion talk where it's like, you didn't see that ball. He just squacked one into the rough in front of him. And I've seen one other instance where something like this happened and he punched the ball out and it flew out. 
this is on a string. Of, he was like a 15, 20 handicap. He had like five pars in a row to this point. He still bogeyed That's good. the cop. He bogeyed the hole, and it's the number two handicap hole after hitting somebody else's ball and have, being having him be derelict. Then the thing to like really put it on top, one pin on another, was this was a group of about five foursomes, big group. There were five foursomes to go off right before them, a big Merrill Lynch crew. I like my Merrill Lynch guys. This ball that popped out of the rough, I went and inspected it. It was a brand new Titleist Pro V with a Merrill Lynch logo on it. So I went and told Denny, I'm like, Denny, not only did you achieve the one in a million to one in a billion, that ball has been sitting in that rough for 60 minutes or less. Mm -hmm. You how, like it wasn't meant to be, dug it right out. <laughs> I mean, that was the that was the one in a trillion story I want to tell you. Like this guy scuzzed it. And the rough where he hit the ball out was like a good 30 yards in front of him. Like it wasn't like it was right in front of him or anything like that. And something else. I mean, if he would have hit that ball any different, they would have creamed off like a creamed off like extra, like th the same angles. But he hit the ball so directly that his ball popped off two feet to the side, 90 degrees away. And the other ball shot out 50 yards. Mm -hmm. If anyone out there listening knows how to play billiard, th there's only one way you can do that. And that's a direct hit. And golf balls are smaller than billiard balls. Last I checked. I mean, whew. Much smaller, much okay. smaller. A lot of fun. I, I sorry, I, I, I not say I was going there with that. I was just trying to circle back and knock that one out. But I mean, we see lots of goofy shit all the time, and 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 still, at least once every other day, I will tell my golfer that's a first. Still, that's a first. I've never seen a ball up here in the rough. I've never seen a ball bounce like that before. It just happens. It happens. So, anyways. Before we get into some other bullshit that I want to talk about, ooh, good, I get to cross that off too. Yeah, we, we went through a lot of stuff. Um, Farmers Insurance Open. Talk about me and my schedule. Not I need football, NFL football, and golf to tell me when I am in the week. And man, this really threw me off, dude. Like finishing on a Saturday just so Jim Nance can go pull his pud for football somewhere else. I mean, kudos mm -hmm. to Jim Nance. You're wrong. I love the guy, but I. Do, do you ever recall some other time in sports where they did something like this? I mean, to infrastructurally move a tournament that is pretty much set in stone Thursday through Sunday, the the local area works for it. Like the pro-ams, all the logistics that go into it. I mean, I know they planned for it and it worked out, but part of me is like, how big of a headache was this, was this really? I I like the move, to be honest with you. I it, it kind of I know probably a lot of the players don't like it because it's only a, a two day gap between essentially tournaments, right? You'd have if you played in the American Express, um, and then played this week. Obviously, your your rest days are only Monday, Tuesday, and on one of them, you'd have to probably play a pro am. So I don't know, you know, how that would go by for the for the better players. But all, all the big names were there pretty much, right? Um, that being said, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Like just plugging in on Wednesday, you know, got home. It's like, Oh, who's, who's leading the golf tournament. Oh, it's, you know, so-and-so I, I couldn't even tell you who was leading after round one. Um, but the, the Saturday finish is cool. I'm actually surprised of, of all tournaments that the farmers did it obviously with Jim Nance, you know, doing the CVS double here with, uh, with obviously division or, uh, conference championship football games it's a kind of a big deal but uh i'm actually surprised the um waste management phoenix open doesn't do this because they're always on super bowl weekend i think that would be pretty cool i think I'm are they all every time yeah super bowl weekend oh, wow. second correlation wow yeah second second weekend in february they're always uh they're always there but uh anyways uh 
you know, a lot of people don't like the golf course, me included. I'm not a huge fan of Torrey Pines, but it, it always produces some type of, of dramatic finish, which we were treated to on, on Saturday, as I was about to say on Sunday, uh, on Saturday, for sure. With Luke List picking up his first ever PGA tour victory. Dude, here we go back to the, 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 the bomb squad bump in an opposite sense. I feel like I mentioned Harris English. I no, 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 no. Was it Harris English? No, Swafford. We talked about yes. Swafford. About, I mentioned List. I'm not saying you didn't. I just I made fun of him saying he was one of the five guys in the Terminator Champions where it's like, hey, look, you had a good year last year. Uh-oh, you're not going to have a good year this year because in the one easy t- limited field to, event to start the year, you're not doing so good. So these 25 guys are doing good. These five guys are doing bad. And one of those five guys just won fucking Tory. I mean, Jesus. And you know what's funny is you did mention someone last week when Sal I Torres? mentioned – yeah, when I mentioned uh, Corey Connors, I think Corey Connors and Will Zalatoris had the same uh, odds or, or right about the same odds going into this week. And uh, yeah. it's well, How about since we're talking about it, and it's not just because of all the bites I've seen on Twitter over and over, but if Zalatoris could putt, would he have won by five? I mean, oh, he would have he, so he was minus player I've ever seen, but that glaring hole you have in your fifth tool is Hoya. I mean, oh, it was like a decky out there. Well, that's the comparable, right? So the, and, and Morikawa too, with the, with the level of ball striking they have, um, when Hideki wins lightly now <laughs> so when Hideki wins golf tournaments, he hits it so good. It's like a no doubter. Right. Um, not according to him, Colin, but I'm with you. Colin Morikawa usually is just so consistent as a great ball striker that whenever he puts half decent, good, very good for him, he's going to win the tournament. Will Zalatoris is such a bad putter. It takes his world, like his, his world level elite ball striking just to be in contention. And then if he has like a decent putting week for him, he's like top 10, top 50, sorry, top 15, like, week after week after week but this week his ball striking was off the walls he had seven birdie putts of 14 feet or less on sunday think about that that man that's uncanny it really is i mean that that, that, i I feel like that's like a sam sneed or rory stat where it's like yeah and how'd he screw it up i mean well that's the thing like sorry i'm on saturday he had that or sorry on friday Round three. Yeah, round three, he had um, seven chances of 14 uh, feet or fewer. Shoot 65. Unfortunately, I believe he had a terrible... I I was looking for the video today because I haven't seen a clip of it yet. But he had one of his yip moments on Friday in the third round. And it was like... Like, oh, like erase that from the memory banks. Like that putt at the Masters where the the putter like literally looked... I don't even know what you want to call it. But it, it... uh, uh, shaky's very that's a very very nice term for it yeah but <laughs> uh, he looked like a crackhead like trying to get five bucks for a rock being like ah, oh, like, oh sweaty, that's cool but i'm with you <laughs> yeah he let's just say he's coming down from a high or something he was a little shaky but uh um Shit, yeah it's it, it's unfortunate to see obviously and in, in but another very very popular golf podcast that i was listening to today you know everybody looks at them as like this go ahead say no no laying up 
I got. I should get back into listening to them. My 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 stink should be over with them. I need. I don't. Other than Joe Rogan, I don't listen to shit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, and and I didn't realize this. Everybody considers this guy like super young, right? Super young. Yeah, I believe he's like twenty five and a half. So at this age, at this age, Jordan Spieth, I think had thirteen wins or eleven wins. Justin Thomas had nine. Oh, simmer down now. Whoa, Justin Thomas had that many at that age? Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jordan Spieth had 11. Um, Justin Thomas had nine. Rory had like 13 or 14 worldwide wins on major tours. Will Zalatoris has zero. So for this world-class ball striker, this guy that beats the shit out of the ball, right? He's apparently picked up some weight and some yardage, according to Faldo and and uh, Nance. is all that they're goddamn talking about on on the television feed um but brooksy's blonde hair or anything no <laughs> yes the real slim shady did not stand up on the weekend um that leg. <laughs> but uh but yeah like it's it's so difficult to watch sometimes because you're sitting on the edge of your chair going like oh my god oh my god oh my god he's got like five feet what kind of putt is he gonna make is he gonna get hit the hole is it gonna get near the hole is he gonna like there's no way this is going in right okay he made it it's like it's like almost like relief when he makes putts that you watch other <laughs> that's my job tour players. Oh God. I, I don't even know how oh, you thank God he made it. Or oh it's a gimme. <laughs> but uh but yeah, good to see good to see Luke List finally pick up a win. Um yet it was interesting. A very, very, very packed leaderboard on Saturday final round. I think at one point uh I want to say late on the front nine, like seventh or eighth hole that Zalatoris was on. He was at 15 under. Um and there was he had a two shot lead. There were seven guys uh tied for second at one point. So it was uh a lot of names we haven't seen in a while. Justin Rose kind of made a return now. He's he's always played well at the farmers. Uh, famously won there with his Han McClubs and then basically ditched them six months later. Um Jason Day Epic proportions. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Jason Day, you know, he's, he seems to be, you know, back in form. It, it, it sounds like he's lost a little bit of weight. Uh, he's re- working with Chris Como, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is a, a big, you know, I don't want to say leap outside the box, but uh, a big change for him. Um, here's one Aaron Rye. What is Aaron Rye known for? Well, Wait, is that a player on the leaderboard? Yeah. Oh shit, his bread. I don't know. That's a. I've never heard that name before. And in fact, I, R- I think I don't even. I didn't even see his name on the leaderboard. So R A I Aaron Aaron Rye. He's he's, he's English. I I believe it is. Uh, he has like. Uh, well, he's definitely like East Eastern Indian. Is that what they call it? Eastern Indian. Dot not feather. Well, is he from Eastern India? <laughs> like what do we? Yeah. Doing? Well, he's oh, he's English, right? He carries the English flag. But uh, anyways, known best best known for having iron covers on the PGA Tour. Oh, he's that guy. Oh, that guy. okay. I never got the name before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so it, you know, interesting tournament. Always, it, it was a little bit action packed, and and Lucas kind of came out of nowhere just to find around sixty six. Uh, the course was playing pretty difficult. It's most difficult on Saturday. So, uh, yeah. final around sixty six. He finished. I want to say like almost two hours before the leaders. So, uh, kudos for him for you know basically being iced. He iced himself and then comes out and, and wins in a playoff. Like damn near. 
he damn near pulled a Snedeker, but Snedeker won the tournament after like getting in when everyone else still was teeing off. What and then the windstorm hit, and then they just couldn't mm-hmm. play for a day and a half, and they're just like, "All right, we're calling it. Who's in the lead? Brant, good job, buddy." I mean, like he was the only guy who didn't have to play in the weather, and that's why he won it. And this was yeah, four or five years ago or something. But uh, so yeah, I mean, you said a name there that I, I want to talk about a little bit. I mean, Jason Day. Hello, this mm-hmm. is a guy who I've always been notoriously afraid of. Never picked him for majors or anything because he's always he's a threat. But I always look at like he's my international foil. Like he's what I would consider in my little zeitgeist or little generation of my own golf watching. He's my Seve Ballesteros. But it's really difficult to hate Jason Day because he's a lovable little koala, and moreover, he doesn't win as much, which means he's not taking it all away from my boys who are trying to win or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like Jason Day always scared me but he was never a legitimate threat. Now, I don't want to – I'll look it up while you're talking just to see what his results were in majors because I never looked it up. But, I mean, I know he's got a great uh, great record overall, but he's – another good example of, like, the PGA Championship. That's such a weird major where like, Justin Thomas, that's his only. Jason Day, that's his only. I know there's other guys who that could be their only. Don't see Jason Duffner. But overall, like, I find it's, like, those guys who should win, like, four or five majors if they only have one. It's a PGA Championship. Just rah, somewhere. Just – Whatever. I mean, and I hate to see those guys go down only winning that many tournaments. I'm not going to say Jason Day. He'll probably never reach Adam Scott level because I'm trying to think of like prolific Australian golfers. Well, you have to beat Adam Scott to beat Greg Norman. I mean, in terms of like uh, pro, like recency. And I just, I mean, Jason Day, the king of the, no, he's not, the king of like bomb and gouge. Like we have to, we really have to recognize that. Now I see you, I see you grimacing, but you might understand through my explanation here. If you look at his style of play and the way he hits the ball, you would not think he's one of those guys. But it really I've really watched Jason Day for years. I'm talking like the mid 2000 teens or whatever, or even a little bit before that. That guy straight up was like the first, I don't want to say Bryson DeChambeau, but how I digest Bryson DeChambeau's game is hey, if you get the ball as far as you can from here, relatively towards your target, you're gonna be better off. The further the better. Like he, I've seen Jason Day hit 230 yards, six irons. I mean, this guy has got gas in the tank. Just all of a sudden, vertigo hits him, then he crumples like a, you know, on the ground. But I mean, he, Jason Day could go down as like one of the most prolifically interesting single time major winners ever. I, that's an interesting take. Cause he, are, are you saying he's like a modern day Freddie Couples then or Davis Love, right? Well, okay, those, you know that's those, are, those are guys who, for their guys. generation, were like prolifically long. You know, kind of the, the you know, obviously Freddie's nickname, Boom Boom. Davis left the third, maybe one of the most underrated power hitters of all time. Right? I, like, I used, anytime I had swing problems, I always remember the one thing about Davis love the third swing that I remember was he's got the most tremendous swing arc you've ever seen. With, it's, it, with, it's like width for days. That's what, oh, that's what I meant. He's yeah. His width. Like anytime I felt like I wasn't swinging well, I just remembered think DL three and all throughout your swing swing, keep your hands as far fuck away from your body as you can. Just mm-hmm. maintain. And that's what I meant about art. Just maintaining yeah. the big circle. So, I mean, yeah. Yep. DL three, another guy who won only a PGA championship. <gasps> yep. I mean, well, granted, Comparal- when, comparables when, are there. When Tiger Woods hit the scene, DL, DL3 stock dropped a little bit because he was, let's say he was coming on, but we were about to have five years of David Duvall and David Love III duking it out, and look what happened. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, overall, I it, it's honestly my, my, my take on Jason Day that I just said, 
it's only come to me in the past few years, but it's taken a lot of rumination and thinking about it to be like, how can this guy pummel the ball so well and so far yet be, well, we don't call him erratic. Like we can, we can call Rory erratic or misfiring, but we never say that about Jason Day. Other than Jason Day's like physical limitations or the things that have kept him off the course or hurt on the course. Other than that, he, he's a better roses. And, and, but it's, but his resume wouldn't suggest that. No, 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 that's fair. It, you, you brought up a name there. Um, in regards to misfiring, do we want to tackle the finish at the Dubai desert classic? Uh, abs. Absolutely. We should. Sorry. I was trying to look up Jason day on Wikipedia and I typed in Jason woods for some reason. <laughs> what, what am I thinking about? <laughs> um, yeah. Nothing else really. Sorry. Not to like jump right off a of Tory. Maybe if it was somebody else who won, we might chat a little bit more. Not to take anything away from Luke List, but good for him. But, I mean, eh, wasn't exactly a flashier splash. Very grindy, tough, gritty tournament. How about John Rahm? Just a quiet T3 for him, right? Always right there. Always right there in the top ten. It's just for courses. Like, the, the, remember we were talking about him. I know it spun off into the whole, like, what makes John Rahm and Seve different? But we were talking a week ago about how this is this is John Rahm's type of uh, gig. I mean, it really, really is. I Great, great ball player. The, the ball more, ball the ball more ball demanding, ball. the more demanding one-dimensional the golf course in, in regards to tee to green, the better he's going to be because he's always right up at the top. Holy cow! I just looked up Jason Day's finishes and majors, and I just got colorblinded with top tens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's got the 2015 PGA Championship, but he has one two. In 2011, he had back-to-back runners-up in the Masters in the U.S. Open. He Mm -hmm. had a runner-up to the U.S. Open in 2013, runner-up to the event that he won in 2015, 2016 with the PGA. He's got three runner-up finishes to major, four runner-up finishes to majors. He's got four other top fives, and none of this is including his his win. And then one, two, three, four, five, five other top tens. I mean, not for nothing. I'm looking at his calendar here. The guy's only been playing in majors for 10 years and barely change. Mm-hmm. He hasn't even played in 10 years worth of majors. I'm trying to think 2011. Oh, uh, congressional. That's where the U.S. Open was. That was Rory when he lapped the field. But needless to say, I mean, Jason Day might go down right now as I would say the current most underrated golfer of all time. Or not all time. I'm just currently most underrated golfer, especially if he keeps playing and keeps like, you know, teeing it up or whatever. Because I mean, you would say eventually he has to win, but we have to see more. I don't know. I, Jason, Jason Day still strikes me. He's a shark. You got to watch out. He'll bite you. How many PGA Tour wins does he have? He's got 12. That's a big number. All PGA that's, Tour wins? Oh, Jason Day, Hall of Famer. 12 PGA Tour wins. I was going to say, he's a Hall of Famer. That's Hall of Fame material, or at least mm-hmm. for what people claim it is. I mean, they say, 10 wins or more, hopefully one of them is a major, and you're in. Because I know a lot of people are crying about Bubba Watson becoming a PGA Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, you have no choice, whether you like him or not, he is a Hall of Fame golfer. I mean, He's got two yeah. majors. Well, granted, they were the same major. Yeah, of, of Bubba's like 10 wins, eight of them have come from three courses. I mean, So what, what are you saying, Jack only has four? For what? Four majors because he he's won multiple times the same one. Don't put your tomatoes in my apple cart here. No. <laughs> Plus, Jack, like, didn't he have like four runners up to Masters? Like, he could have had like eight green jackets. He, he has nineteen runner ups. Well, total eight, no, eighteen total, wins. Yeah, yeah. That oh, that would make him Mister Augusta if you think about it. Like, for that means 
for a little less than 25 years, he either won or was the runner-up for the Masters. I mean, talk about that would be Bobby Jones would love to, love to see that shit. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so yeah, tell me about Rory. I only caught up recently, considering the time shift from uh, Dubai. When we get our news via Twitter, it's probably different for you uh, being on the East Coast uh, of the North American side than than me. But all mm. I remember was I woke up, looked at Twitter, and saw everyone talking about Rory's playing eighteen. Rory's falling apart. I'm not watching Rory anymore. That was like the, that was the refrain from the entire golf community. So, Smitty, should we be? So what happened? What happened in Dubai? Tell us. Yeah. So uh, I I don't know where everybody stood going into uh, the final round. Now, obviously, uh, Rory McIlroy is in contention. Um, I'm actually going to pull it up as we chat here. It, the great thing about being on the East coast, it, it's pretty nice is that, you know, we can wake up first thing in the morning, start your coffee and, you know, you turn on the golf channel and there's live golf. And in this case, you know, they're on the Dubai swing. Um, so you get a lot of the, the big names, of course, the European tour does pay appearance fees so they can, they can maybe line the pockets of some bigger guys that usually wouldn't make that track. But, uh, um, of all, I, you know what the crazy thing is, is I recognized the guy in the final group playing. I believe he was playing with Rory. Um, and that was Richard Bland. Bland. Richard Bland, who finished, I want to say, third at the PGA Championship. I was just going to say that no matter what you said, because he was the other guy I saw coming up with, like, highlights. I mean. <laughs> yeah. So it was awesome to see him play well. You know, big fan. Good to see Frank's dad. I haven't seen him in, like, 10 years. But, uh, yeah, good to see him there. But, uh what old school <laughs> come on it took me a minute <laughs> yeah but uh so rory's coming down the 18th hole it's a reachable par five uh unfortunately there's a for rory there's a giant pond in front of the green so rory's coming down it's a second shot out of the, we can slice around it what are you saying <laughs> out, out of the fairway and just hits this peely cut floaty as soon as he hits it he knows it's in the water and he grabs oh, he his club getting to his car he he, he kind of grabs it bo jackson style like he's gonna snap it over his knee kind of pulls it around his waist he's like oh, yeah. but he's like i shouldn't snap this club kind of like when he ripped his shirt he keeps he, he turns into the incredible hulk when he fucks up on the 18th hole um well, he dunks it. He makes bogey. Finishes one shot out of a playoff with uh, Richard Bland and my boy, Vicky Hatton. Ho oh, Terrell Terrell Hatton was up there as well, but uh, I decided to detonate on the weekend. But uh, my boy, just Vicky Vicky Hovland, um, picks up another another win. Another win on the European tour. So that's two in three weeks, four weeks. I don't know if he had a week off between um, his top five finish there last week as well in Abu Dhabi. But uh, now Abu. number Abu 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 Dhabi. Um, Abu Dhabi or whatever you said. What a what a bing bang. No. Um, My daddy. <laughs> now numero trois in the world. World number three, Victor Hovland. This this guy does so much under my freaking nose, and I don't know what to do about it. You see me on Twitter joke about how like every time I pick him, he doesn't win. Uh, see mm -hmm. all the majors last year, but I mean, 
okay, well, Smitty, I'm not going to revamp my picks or whatever from uh, our tournament or, or whatever. Okay, yeah, you got it. Oh, here it is. I You got it written down there. I got 18 legal pads here. Get your hieroglyphics out of my face. Yeah, Smitty, you got Hovland. And I, I'm, I think, I hate to say it, I think I'm done with Hovland, obviously. I mean, I didn't pick him for Jack Squat, but um, that's usually how it goes. Like when we're, yep. when we're, when I'm hot on somebody, it, whatever. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. It, it was impressive to watch now. Now, maybe here is uh, Smitty's coach's corner of the week. And I, I want to go back to Rory's, Rory's three wood. So he is playing, it looked like he's playing the new uh, stealth three wood. What color? And it appeared to be very black on the bottom. No, but who cares about the bottom? It's the face. The face is the part that changes. Oh, the, the face is in carbon on the on the fairy woods. It's still titanium. So it's I, still I, black. You know, I halfway assume that, but. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyways, for me, a three wood is a love-hate relationship. And when you finally find that one, you've maybe you've been searching for a long time for the perfect fit of a three wood. It just it feels good in your hand. It feels good when you swing it. It just comes off the way you want. You can shape it always. You can hit it high. You can hit it low. You can hit it out of the rough. You can hit it off the fairway. You can hit it off the tee. But when you find that three wood, you keep it for a long time. Right? Ladies we talked about. I'm watching Smitty get tumescent as we record. <laughs> we, we talked about Harris English's bag a couple of weeks ago and the fact that he plays I 25 fairway woods. Because yep. they just they just work, and it is no secret that golfers on the PGA Tour and golfers at the highest level, usually other than maybe a putter, the oldest club in their bag is usually a fairway wood, right? Because they want it to do all things. They they want they want that one that can turn a little draw off the tee, but they can hit a high cut off the fairway. And Rory does tend to change fairway woods very often he's usually he's a tailor-made guy you know they roll out a new one every year whereas tiger still uses usually a generation or two behind he still famously has his m5 m is it well, m5 I, m3 three wood or five wood um i hate to say though tiger when it comes to him as a specific example he's kind of tough to pick he's a tough fit he's a tough fit the, even when he went all Nike, it took forever for them to make Nike clubs for him. And who's to say mm -hmm. if that was better for him or not? But he was rocking an old Titleist driver for a long time. He was rocking an older three wood for a long time. I mean, mm -hmm. and the irons, who cares? I mean, I don't want to say anyone can make a blade, but if you can make a blade, you know what how to do it. I mean, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I, I always say in terms of Tiger, obviously, is a little bit different because he's under the microscope a lot more. But someone like Tiger, when he signed out with Nike, we knew it would be several years for the scientists there to design something that he wants. Much like how the Nike golf ball turned into, well, he plays Bridgestone now. I wonder why. Yeah, so it, it's it's interesting to to see players when they do put in new fairy woods, how quickly they adapt. Because personally, I, I think, a lot of them now are just trying to fit a three wood for off the tee, right? Kind of that secondary. A lot of guys like to hit that controlled cut with the driver and they like something that they can easily turn over with the three wood. Well, when you're easily turning over a three wood off the tee, that doesn't quite relate to how am I picking this three wood off the fairway on a go-to, you know, I need to hit a high 
carry and cut and still have it carry a good distance. And, and we saw maybe the comfort factor is not there yet. Maybe that attributed to the outcome, which was him dunking it in the pond. I, you know, I can't speak for Rory. He was never asked the question. But I personally think that has something to do with it. Um, so if you have I a fairway wood, his entire game is a comfort factor. I mean, let's let's, let's just jump off right there. I mean, <laughs> the guy has look. The guy has the sweetest swing. He really does. Mm-hmm. He combines form and power, and it equals grace. It really does. That's why I never pick on Rory because I look at it like this is a top tier sports car company and what the shit? I mean, what like what, how come they're not winning F1 every week? I mean, or or not every week, but I mean, oh, I get it that you took touch. 30 and lead most of the race again. I mean, what happened? I mean, what, is it your sprockets? Is it the axle grease? What's wrong with with the machine that is Rory McIlroy? I'm not asking that question to you. I'm just saying it's been hmm. long enough. I keep asking myself that to the point where you don't see me picking him to win majors anymore. No matter how close he gets, I just can't do it. Yeah, neither of us, I think, picked him for any majors this year. Oh, no, we didn't. No, we most certainly didn't. No, I mean, oh, fuck. You you picked Hovland for two. I just now looked. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. my God. You picked, wait, you picked Spieth for everything and Hovland for two. Oh, God, if I don't win this year, oh, man. You were, you like, handed me half the pick. Oh, well, you, you, you kind of went, like, DJ and Morikawa, and I went Spieth and Hovland. Well, and I and I feel like, I, well, I was trying to be fair. I, well, not fair. I just didn't want to be like. And you have you Rom. I didn't even and pick, pick Rom Morikawa for everything. No, I what? did pick you Rom picked for Rom. back-to-back US Open. Sorry. And I picked Rom for, um, wait, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, I picked him for the Open Championship. You didn't. No, I haven't. No, US Open. You have JT, Morikawa, oh. and Bryson. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I misread. The columns are right next to each other. You illiterate <laughs> fuck. I don't know how to write. I know how to read. <laughs> heap, heap hop, heap up anonymous. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Any more Rory backing before we get on to a few other things? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Well, I mean, I only asked you just to think of, oh, shoot, I left the bottle open, so I should do this to. Ah, so everyone hears the sound again. Um, I, I mean, I don't mean to sit here and bash on Rory. I missed a lot of the Dubai stuff. And most of the Dubai stuff I saw was the highlights from him. Not, I don't want to use the word meltdown because if Rory was a nuclear power plant and he had this many meltdowns, they fucking closed it years ago. Okay. So I don't want to use the word meltdown. Okay. Otherwise, his family should tell him, hey, Rory, you're rich enough. You're not winning. How about you fucking quit golf or something? I mean, it's not like he's out there purposely embarrassing himself. And four days of work, I hate to say, all culminates down to like 30 seconds. Granted, that's crunch time. That's how it goes. That's how it goes for most professional sports, how the, the cream rises to the top. And the elite always, most always win, usually, especially in golf, I like to think. But I don't know. I just... Rory just feels like such a, a such a, a void to talk about now. Like it, it, I, I'd rather talk it's about a, Will Zal taking runners up than, than Rory McIlroy. It's, it's it's a vacuum, right? He kind of sucks you in. It's 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 Rory McIlroy, right? It's the name, it's the pedigree. You know he's got the talent to do it, but he's just not. He he's not finishing the way. I, I don't even want to term it that because it's not like he's always like the greatest finisher. Whenever he, it's not like, oh, Rory is in the top five. He's going to win this week. It's like, no, 
Rory had like a backdoor top 10. Rory has a backdoor top five. He always has one round that just limits him, right? He was never, he's not that thoroughbred that just goes, I'm taking the lead and I'm running away with it. He really has never been. Oh, dude. I mean, there, there, Rory has enough wins under his belt, like you said, where he lapped the field, other than Martin Keimer and Tiger Woods. I don't know too many, and Jack Nicholas sometimes. I don't know. Well, actually, Jack didn't do it. I don't know how many people lap the field. Yeah. So, Rory is, a, I think, you, you said the word, he's not a thoroughbred. I think he is, but we're using different comparisons here because I think pound for pound, Rory McIlroy still could be one of the best golfers in the world, but there's oh, like a there's a there's a fuse or two that are just loose and you can't run at top 100 performance against other people doing the same with any flaws whatsoever and i don't even know what his flaws are we just know that he's gonna screw the pooch really hard every sunday one once or something i don't even like saying that i'm not even a rory fan i hate saying those words out loud yeah and that's fair i I think i think too that just because the sometimes the media sorry let's term it this way because because Rory gives the media a little more um, in regards to, you know, he paints himself more as a human being than, than a professional golfer. Right. He lets people in a little more, like we saw at the Ryder cup a couple of years ago, right. Things like that. Um, sorry, last year. Um, he, he, he really speaks his mind well and, and comes from a, you can tell he was just, he was raised in a normal household. Right. He, he just, he really He's a regular Irish guy. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I think the American media is pretty tough on him and, and just hold him like, I'm this professional golfer, blah, 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 blah. You should just go out there and win tournaments because you're so uber talented. Meanwhile, he's like, you know what, man? Like, I'm a human. Like, I got a family at home. I, I'm focusing on other things. This isn't really like my number one passion when I was a teenager and, and a guy in my early 20s anymore. I'm spread thin. I've got, I've got all these... I've got all these sponsors. I've got all these commitments away from the golf course that, you know, maybe I'm happy doing other things other than golf. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love my job. I, I, I like the company I work for. But, like, my passion is, like, like playing hockey or playing golf or enjoying myself, right? Like, I don't – Soccer or driving Ferraris, I mean, or just being, oh, like, I would a love to be a race Irish car driver. Player. Yeah, exactly. Like we all have our passions and usually it's not our, our job. Right. So even for these professional athletes that are just uber talented, we have to remember they're humans too. Right. They, some may, maybe he gets in contention. He's like, cool. I'm going to make a good paycheck this week. Like I could care less about having to do the winner speech, holding up a giant cardboard check and taking another three hours, shaking hands and kissing babies. Right. Like maybe he just doesn't care about that. Oh, sure. I, I think and it's, it's, you're conjuring up some thoughts I had before about Rory that I had like literally like five years ago where I'm like, oh, I don't care if he wins or loses or not. I think he feels the same way. He is, and this is five years ago, he is an international stud du jour. He is the face that replaced Tigers on the freaking golf game. I mean, not to say like that was a big torch to carry after that or whatever, but it, but it was Rory. And guess what? Like in the end, I always thought like, Hey, let's ask that 28 year old or 26 year old, how he really feels about golf. I mean, I, I think he gave an interview about six, seven years ago that kind of offended people when he said like, Oh, golf's not my number one priority or hobby in life or whatever. And everyone lost their shit. And I said, wouldn't you like to hear Michael Jordan say, I don't practice basketball. I just go yachting all the time. Wouldn't that make his legacy that much more amazing where he's just like, Oh, Oh yeah. I'm really good at this. I'm the best. Yeah. But I, not, not to say he has disdain or he fucks around. He's just like, yeah, but I, I, I don't, 
I like it, but I mean, it's not my passion. Like I work hard to win, but when I'm not working hard to win, I'm enjoying life because they're not going to say this, but I'm a zillionaire or whatever. So I mean, <laughs> and and credit to guys like DJ, right? Like DJ doesn't let those people in. He just kind of gives this ah shucks interview, and everybody's like, oh, like look at DJ, like he's so carefree. Look at him out there; he's just so talented, right? DJ whale shark. He just cruises along. Is yeah. not dangerous to anyone, and everyone wants to get a picture with him and just cruise up next to him and be like, "Oh, look, whale shark!" And the whale He's shark's like, just like, "Can't tell if I'm sleeping. You can't tell if I'm swimming. I could be sprinting right now. You don't even yeah. know." <laughs> and and Rory's like that orca that everybody wants to see do that perfect like jump and spin out of the water and take the photo. When they don't, they're like, "Rory, what the hell, man? I came here just and, to and see you win maybe- and jump out of the water." Keiko's tired of eating smelt. Keiko was the uh, the the killer whale, the orca in Marine Free Man, Willy. Free Willy. The, sorry. Oh, oh no. Ah, <laughs> funny. No, Keiko was the whale in Free Willy, or the killer whale in Free Willy, which was housed at Newport Aquarium in Oregon after the movie. And the poor poor fish was sick. Was very sick for a long time, and they nursed it back to health and set it free. And awesome, great aquarium, Newport Aquarium in Oregon. Another attraction on the coast. <laughs> All right. Well, as we're wrapping up this episode, Smitty, uh, unless there's anything else you want to uh, kick across Rory's corpse, I have some Twitter questions that I'd like to, uh, well, at least talk, not necessarily toss your way, but um, maybe tee them up. Well, thank you. Uh, Because, well, it's mostly caddy related questions. And I had such a hot, sober day today that I'm firing on all cylinders of rage. And now, now speaking of of sober, I'll throw this out there. I I am doing the dry February uh, fundraising challenge for the Canadian Cancer Society. And so this is my us recording here on January 31st. This is my second last drink of uh 2022 so far because i will i've got a little bit of rye left so i i I do want to just get it out of my fridge and freezer for the next month and just stock up on non-alcoholic beer that i can have at my leisure zero temptation zero temptation (laughs) zero temptation um so yeah uh go ahead as uh as we tee these questions up from the twitterverse go okay go ahead so as i started this show I'm hyper. Lots of stuff happening at work. And I put on Twitter, I just said, I'll answer your questions on the air. Hashtag locked, hashtag loaded, hashtag fuck filters. But I also realized as people were tweeting me, I was answering them straight up and I forgot, oh, they were responding to the tweet. Like we get so little, I get so little responses to our on the air questions that I forget. I even ask them sometimes. Usually it's nobody. So there's a few right here. The first one I'll address was... (laughs) From a uh, at Highland Fox, Timothy Johnson Finn Finney Finn. He actually, I answered him on Twitter, and I it's a very good question. I want to answer him right now. He said, "Do women tip better or worse than men?" Very excellent question. Good women, question. women on average have a much much higher average of what you get paid. Hmm. However, like I'm, I'm saying like most women I caddy for, like we get hundred bucks a bag. I'll probably get 140, 150 a bag. I mean, they're just very nice, very consistent. I'm not going to get a $200 strap out of a lady. That's the, that's the, that's, you get $200 for one bag out of that guy who's drink a little too much. You read a few putts that he happened to hit luckily the right way. And he just endears himself to you. I've had many women golfers who were much older than me threatened to adopt me. That's how much they loved me. They did not tip accordingly. Not to say 140, 150 bucks is not, not, not a bad tip. I'll take that every day. 
but the men tend to be more extravagant, or as I said in my response, more extravagant slash nuts. <laughs> I mean, in terms of they had a career day or whatever. Oh, my last caddy won 300 bucks. Here's 250. That's still extravagant as hell. You're not going to see any females do that. So that's the answer to that question, Smitty. <laughs> Here's another one. I'm just going to go from the top. This is from a very good Twitter account. Eric H at the mobile golfer. This kid and his dad get around everywhere. These guys are great. He said, oh, God, I should have read this first. What are a caddy's biggest pet peeves about golfers they caddy for? I would say, for me, my biggest pet peeve is when I do something and then the golfer does what I do right after me. Like, my, my most annoying rounds are when I shoot the yardage and I say, it's 150, it's uphill, give me one more club than 150. And then they pull out their yardage finder and then they shoot the flag too. Because part of me wants to look and be like, I've never lied to a golfer once. What's your problem? And they're, they're, that one guy I had a long time ago where you're just like, oh, why aren't you using slope? I'm like, I mean. I'm, I'm guilty. When I had you abandoned, like, I, I don't mind shooting my own yardages. Like, I don't care. Like, if actual, if actual yardages say 135, I trust that you'd say, hey, Smitty, yes, it's 135, but I want you to hit the 150. I go, okay, fine. Like, I, I just. I, but from your government. Yeah, Temperament. I'm not saying every person who shoots after I shoot, but yeah. you temperature you, of the room. I, 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 would, I, would, I would shoot before you, right? Because I would, I, I, yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind shooting my, I don't mind carrying my bag for a little bit because you had two of us and, you know, I'm not the best driver of the golf ball and Ty is usually down the middle. And I'm, no, but we were on like, opposite sides of like fairways and holes or other holes at times i felt so bad i'm like give me my clubs man i'll go over there and figure it out i was more embarrassed than anything well and you're not the only one there, there are a lot of guys i, I gotta admit there's like 10 percent of guys i know like there are guy caddy for the second i meet him on the putting green or whatever and we start chatting we start bullshitting about dinner last night or just talking about oh hey did you go to the bunker bar did you play poker blah blah whatever and as we're about to head to the tee they always grab their bag and start walking away i'm just like whoa, whoa sir i got you and he's like oh i'm not used to it i'm like that's what i'm here for Dad. sir Put your boots i mean you know what that reminds me of? that reminds me remember the uh when covid first hit the four tailor made guys did the charity challenge down at seminole it was like rory dj um wolf and fowler and dj yeah. hits the shot and they're carrying their own bags due to social distancing right like their caddies weren't there and he started walking and then somebody's like hey dj you're gonna go grab your bag and he has to go like oh yeah shit like he turns around and grabs his bag. oh god i can't believe i blocked that on my head you're absolutely right but it's funny because <laughs> to answer a question that nobody asked on twitter I saw a Golf Digest article a couple of years ago that I really loved. You'll never hear me say that again. But they illustrated the players that absolutely need their caddies to do well and the players that don't need their caddies to do well. The latter mm. are your Rory McIlroys, your Dustin Johnsons. These, like I said, these are sharks that swim on autopilot. Like they really, not to say they don't need a caddy, but come on, let's be honest, guys. Even though Rory's fucking up on the 72nd hole every time, he might not need a caddy. Rory knows what he's doing. And, and if you look at the temperament of DJ too, his brother Austin's on the bag. I don't see them talk ever. I mean, it's like, <laughs> talk about the perfect setup for those two. I mean, given Dustin's game and whatever, but on the flip side, you have guys like, and this was illustrated in the article, Pat Perez, where Pat Perez, not to say he doesn't prepare, not to say he doesn't care, not to say he doesn't do anything that doesn't rhyme with either of those two words that rhymed before, but he straight up like goes to a tee box of a par three and he'll sit there staring at the green 
and not say he waits for it, but his caddy will come up to him and be like, it's this number. We should have this number. It's between these two clubs. I like the six. And Pat will just hold his hand out and be like, give me what you told me. Give me what you said. Cause I trust you. Pat Perez. He's not to say he's the best golfer I can think of who has that same example or, or who's that example, but he was the perennial guy where it's just kind of like, Oh, I couldn't live without my caddy. Whatever he does, I do it. And I always, I always joke around with my golfers. Anytime they hit a hard shot or have a really tough putt, I'll read the shit out of it. I'm an excellent green reader. I'm like, it gets better and better every day to the point where I'm like, wow, I think I am the best green reader. I know you can all get so good, but I really feel like, well, this guy sucks at putting, but I mean, I'm reading these perfectly. Like I wish I was hitting it, but one of my mottos, I always tell my golfers always is, sir, you have the hard part. I'm here for merely suggestion. You have the execution part. Like every single time where they hit a good putt and they're like, oh, good read, man. I'll look at them every time and be like, you have the hard part. You had to execute. It's easy for me to verbalize all the shit you have to do. That's why I want to be such a golf course commentator. I can just sit there and say whatever I want to, a la Nick Follow. But it's a little different when you're at the guy's hip and he's a 20 handicap, not a tour player. And you have to live with that for five hours, four days in a row. But I mean, needless to say, that's it, it's it's funny how that works. I mean, ultimately. Now, so pet peeves. Yeah, that, that was OK. Next one. We'll wrap this up. Uh, well. We're doing good. John Moran. Nice fella. Nice fella. You can find him on Twitter at JD Moran underscore MT. I hate this question. I hear this question all the time. And it's easy to answer. That's why I'm going to say it. John asks, how many hole-in-ones have you seen as a caddy? Have you made any holes-in-ones? I have seen none and made none. Hashtag golf. Thank you, buddy. I have two. I have never seen either one go in the hole, so I don't have the satisfaction I have witnessed two, actually for for uh, a celebrity's non-disclosure sake, I'll, I'll, I'll tamp this down. I've seen one hole-in-one catting out of Band of Dunes from the group I was in. I have yet to see, other than this one hole-in-one, a ball go into the hole on a par three. I have caddied for lots of eagles from all sorts of yardages out in the fairway, from 100 to 200 yards. It's amazing. I just, I probably told you, Smitty, I had this guy at Sheep Ranch. He was a three handicap with three 18 handicaps. He was the pro of the group. Young fellas, nice guy, going way too easy on his friends, telling them that we can all play the golds. I'm like, dude, you're the scratch golf of the group. Don't go to the senior tees with these jabronis. Don't do it. His last round was at Sheep Ranch. I, I think I told the story before, but to make it real quick, slices drive into the gorse, drop out of the gorse, sitting two, topped his three wood. He's 187 out. I said five iron. Aim at the left edge of the green. Sank it for a birdie. Should have been a goddamn albatross. It was a birdie. Okay. It, it just so happens, based off the circumstances of the hole, it rolled into the hole for a four. From a distance where that should have been somebody's two or a three or whatever, just the rub of it. So, John, I've witnessed one ace. It was on number 11 at pack. Hell, my golfer hit the same exact shot today. Like It, it was a skanky, scully shot up the right side of the green that when it hit and rolled to the back pin, it went in. My guy hit that shot. He was losing his mind how much he hated it. And I'm just like, watch it, watch it, watch it. He finished 20 feet from the hole. And I told him last guy I saw shoot it like that made it in the hole. So John, I've witnessed one ace. I've heard, Oh God, when you're catting on Bandon dunes and you're like at uh, anywhere along 17 at Bandon or like 18 T and you're right adjacent to the preserve, the preserve gets aces daily. Doesn't matter what mm -hmm. time of year. Doesn't matter the traffic, it gets aces daily. It's a 13-hole par three course, and half the holes are very short. You get eight guys out there in a group at a time. The odds are in your favor to get an ace. I've seen 
crazy 80 yard chipped five irons almost ace i mean it's it's a it's a fun course but down to the the rub of it i've only watched one ball ever in my 30 plus years of golf go in the hole after one swing when it was your first swing and funny enough i wasn't that guy's caddy his caddy was 20 years old he offered to buy drinks at the turn a few, uh, at the uh, the uh, snack bar at pack after 12 and he said, he said, well, I can't give my caddy a drink. He looked at me. He's like, can I buy you a drink? I'm like, hell yeah. He didn't. He forgot. So cool cat. <laughs> Question for you. You know, I live in a very seasonal climate. We are, you know, rele we're relegated to indoor golf um, during the uh -oh. off season. Uh-oh. If you're playing an 18-hole, like, actual golf course, not a par three course, on a simulator, do you get a hole in one? Does it count? Maybe that's our next poll. Maybe throw that out I, on Twitter. I'm ready right now. I just said ace poll right there. I'm not going to do it while we're on the air because we're about to wrap up. But I mean, that I I'm I might have missed a poll of somebody asking that before. But that is a goddamned great question. And hey. let me okay. You ask me, I'm going to answer you with a question. What do you think, Smitty? I think it should count. I really. God. So tough. You're 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 not wrong, but I mean the fact that it physically and tangibly didn't do what 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 has been happening for hundreds of years. Don't get me wrong. I love simulator golf. I worked for Foresight for a couple of years. Cutting edge shit. Love no couple months. But anyways, it, it's so tough to digitally. Ask me how many aces I have on PGA Tour Two K Two One. Dozens. Ah no, dozens. It's really? a video game. Yeah, it's a video game. It's it's digital. Granted, it's not me swinging in the simulator. It's not me hmm. hitting the ball spin so it doesn't report the same way but overall god that's a good question i because I, it, it i would say that taking luck out of the equation exactly what simulator golf does right like there's no luck it's just you hit it this is what it picks up and it does what the computer tells okay. it it's going to do great point point counterpoint here and this is from me a fan of technology and i know a ton about technology and by technology i just i don't mean golf tech i just mean on a digital cellular level i know how technology works but it's the same reason why i don't trust slot machines smitty like i i know you're gonna get the perfect bounces if you hit it a certain way part of me is like well i hit it that way unless i see the ball actually travel out from me and impart the spin that it does i trust the technology but i there's a tiny part of me that can't confirm still like i don't want to be a hater or non-believer but there's still a tiny part of me going well this is the technology talking to me which is way smarter than me, way more intricate, has way faster cameras than my blinking eye and knows how to pick up single-digit RPMs on the ball when they're measuring thousands at a time sometimes. I trust the technology, but at the same time, okay, you're asking me, I don't think a hole-in-one on a simulator counts. I can't, like, I can't, if I would tell people about it, but I wouldn't count it as one of my aces, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. And take it from a video game wannabe expert. There's a lot of games I'm bad at too, just like from Mario Brothers all up to Skyrim, whatever. I just the, the fantasy realm and how easy it could be. It's still not easy for golf. It, you still have to achieve. You still have to execute and accomplish. But still, I just feel like when I hit into that screen, a tiny part of me is like, "Well, that thing can just tell me whatever it wants to," because <laughs> I'm not looking at the ball anymore. You're like, whop, whop. All right, what's it doing? Like, and and I know there's science behind it. But I also don't know if in 100 years we'll be able to embrace it like I should, to be like, see, it's soundworthy, it, it, or it's sound, it's trustworthy, blah, 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 whatever. Soundworthy, new word. But 
I don't know. I used to work with foresight simulators, the best. And there's still a tiny part of me going, you can't fly in a flight simulator every time. You got to get that plane in the air. You have to actually feel all the physical turbulence of just nature and the world. I'm not saying the, the computer can't simulate that. It's just so tough for me to extrapolate one thing to another. I just, that is, I've got, I wrote it down. I'm going to pull that question. But I mean, if you were to ask me right now, 60, 40, I say it's a no, even though I get and understand and embrace the accomplishment. But I mean, I feel like if I was playing a golf seminar, I got an ace. I wouldn't even react once. I would, cause I'm not hit. I'm not playing a golf course. I would hit it and everyone would go nuts. And I'd look around and be like, well, we're still here in the bar guys. I mean, we're just like, I didn't do anything. I just swung a club and hit it into the mat. I, I, I can't. Oh, you, man, it's okay. So well that, that being said as well, do you, do you have to buy a round for everybody in the uh, simulator bar? If you better, one? according to you and your oak, you better. <laughs> if it's going to be taken that seriously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you Fair know enough. what, even if, or if it's a hole in one and everyone said you have to buy drinks. I hope I'd have the money because I would happily do it. I would. I, I don't want to say I would play along, but there's something about it that just doesn't. Oh God! Oh God! It makes me feel like a flat earther, dude. I really hate to say it, like like the like the, the just the one percent of it that I'm not trusting feels like a hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. It's just like ah, ugh, I don't want to be a purist. I'm not a purist with anything. I am not. I am. I'm a progressive. I try to adapt with the times. Oh God. Now, Smitty, I'm mostly I'm just trying to like not offend you with my answer, but fuck no, it's not an ace. <laughs> I know the majority will disagree with me, and that's cool because we all need our gravitas whenever we can get it, or like what, whatever we can do. Maybe you live in Iceland, and other than the 24-hour golf or whatever, all you have is a simulator. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not poo-pooing an ace on a simulator. It's just that's nah, tough. It's tough. Sorry. Oh, also that's to blow your mind, I'm thinking about buying PXG irons. We'll talk about that later. Anyways. <laughs> You're going to become one of the troops, eh? They win two weeks in a row on the PGA Tour, and he's officially turning into a – well, oh, he's you – know, you're going for the veterans discount, aren't you? Well, that and also considering the only things I'd buy is three through nine iron, and they're 70 bucks a club. I mean, that's like $450 for a set yeah, of, like, that, irons. I already actually, got my wedges and everything. Like, why, why not? <laughs> yeah, they are actually – they're very, very affordable when you get them on sale. They're, they're, they're actually a very, very good value. That was it for the Twitter questions. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I thought uh, – I know I was firing from the hip here a lot. I was a upset about a lot more going into this show, but I knew it was mostly personal and it wouldn't really – work for what we we're trying to jive with 20, so 24 I, hour rule right you gotta just simmer down simmer down simmer down now see you know, the funny thing is in the past 72 hours i've had like a new 24 hour spin on things where it's just kind of like oh this is happening today oh that's fucked up oh this is happening today that's <laughs> fucked up i'm like wait i thought i was working with him okay oh hey nice to meet you sir this is great oh thought i was working for him oh hey nice to meet you sir folks that's not how getting a caviar resort should go it's not i mean nah well we can we can say that for a whole other podcast on how to schedule a caddy <laughs> oh smitty um before we go it's not an official sponsor but can i tell you about max eyewear have have i had to have told you about these glasses before these are the glasses i like right well hey all the power like when you find a good pair of glasses and a good brand that you like that you're not paying designer prices for bingo i i go for shady rays i found shady rays on like a youtube advertisement kind of the same thing like discount polarized good quality hip style shady rays is my brand man tell me about yours mm. 
Well, see, I would totally, I would totally look up Shady Rays right now if I didn't full on commit to Max. I just bought two, like I restocked the sunglasses I have from them recently. Three days later, they were shipped to my house. Like I, they, they showed up today, and I was just kind of like, "Fuck, when did I order these? I ordered they're these ca- less than they're Callaway edition. Callaway edition. You shut your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Listen." These glasses, I remember when I when I was an assistant pro on the east coast of uh, America in Maryland, we picked up these glasses. This is about 2009, 2010. Max Eyewear, M-A-X-X. We were selling these. They, they look like your run-of-the-mill glasses you find at 7-Eleven on a, like a little turnstile for like $9.99. Just whatever. American. You know, just like glasses, like pugs or just whatever. Just like cool-looking glasses. They'll probably break or get lost, but like, you know, and they'll keep your eyes from getting cancer. That's about it. But we sold our our Max glasses in our pro shop for $15 a pair. We were getting them at cost for like $5 or $6 a pair. So for an employee, it was like $8 a pair. I still have my first pair of Max sunglasses I ever bought. They're sitting in my garage. I use them for yard work because they're a cheap, flimsy pair. But I got, well, not these ones. I got these aviators. And that's what I was wearing earlier, Smitty. These aviators. Look at this. These things. It's a casual wear. It's a casual wear. But when you go to the website, the thing that drew me in at first, why we, well, not why we sold these, but what got me interested was they boasted high definition lens technology. And this was right when I bought a high definition TV for $10,000. So I was very curious to see what this new fraudulent buzzword in eyewear meant. Well, it turns out, folks, if you like polarized sunglasses, take it from a former Kosi and a very maritime type person, polarization is great because it reduces glare what does glare come from mostly the water with the sun and uh last time i checked just the car and truck windshields and windows when you're driving that's about it so ultimately (laughs) that's it polarize and and like you could buy a pair of ray-bans like in america years ago just regular ray-bans like the tom cruise style hundred dollars polarize two hundred dollars like that's kind of like how they gauge things It, it was sucky I, I put these glasses on years ago, high def technology for the price. When I put them on, I'm like, wow, not only does it act polarized and reduce all the glare, it makes the colors pop. It really does. Everyone loves the Mac glasses that I wear. It's those ones. I don't know if you probably see me in videos. Maybe they're the ones that have like, look like they look like Ray-Bans, but they have the solid front. Mm-hmm. Now they're great but on my face. The sweat doesn't touch the lenses. The sunscreen doesn't touch the lenses. There's enough ventilation for sweat. All good points. Everyone who sees these glasses want to buy them from me. They just love them. And I'm just like, look, these are $30 glasses for new. Go buy them there. You want to give me $100 for these? I can't do that to you because I'm just going to go buy more of these. These glasses, I was playing cheap that round I was telling you uh, a couple weeks ago when I was playing cheap ranch and uh, I was hitting the driver off the deck and having a good time. Bullfrog took a video of me. He posted on Twitter. No, no, he didn't post it. I still have it because you can't see squat. I'm standing on nine green at sheep ranch, which is near the ocean. The sun is still has two hours left in the day, but it's reflecting off the water perfectly. That bullfrog is standing 10 feet from me, and I have a three-foot putt, and all you see is the ball, my feet, and the bottom of the cup. You don't see me. You don't see my putter. You don't see the flag. And he's just facing the sun. I, I, I posted that picture on Twitter when I, uh, weeks ago, and I said, one of my favorite spots on the resort. And then I took a picture with the, through the lens of the glasses because once you threw your glasses on, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, it went from I'm blind? Like... When we were on nine green, I swear we were ascending to heaven. Even when you were just walking around amongst me and you playing, it was so bright. It was just bright. It was very bright. You throw these motherfuckers on and it cuts down so much. It's brilliant. These are my casual ones. These are the aviators. But I maintain, folks, max 
two X's, Max Eyewear, the glasses I get. I'm not even going to say they're their fanciest. Their most expensive glasses, I get them. $24.99 American. And I just bought extras because, as I told the wife, I'm committed to wearing, I'm not even glasses during golf guy. I wear these when I golf. I wear these only when I caddy. Oakley's with the prism lenses, phenomenal. They have borderline prescription, like, uh, uh, sharpness when you look at things. Very good. But these are sharp, and they cut the color and the glare out so much. It's it's bananas. I Every time I caddy for somebody, the golfer asks, where'd you get your glasses? And I just tell, I tell them the whole story. I tell them all that bullshit I just told you. And in the end, I don't see anyone wearing them still. But God forbid, like, let's get Joel Damon on there. Joel Damon. So he'd be a max eyewear guy. Like somebody needs to be wearing these glasses on tour. I cannot believe, maybe it's because they're so cheap and so available that, wait, does somebody wear them? You know who should wear them? Luke List. Who? Harry Higgs. Mm, see, I'm with you. I was hoping more the of the aviator style though, like on tour. He could, he could see Harry Higgs, Harry Higgs rocks. Like when he's really, he's got great glasses, but Harry Higgs is one of those guys who are like, just give him the David Duvall blades. Like that, that guy's that he's such a treasure. Just let him just waltz out there with the rainbow. I mean, it, he would be perfect, but I tried to advocate Harry Higgs to even follow me on Twitter, but I got nothing. <laughs> This episode's brought to you by Max Eyewear Sunglasses. Folks, if you go to Max Eyewear, use the code MAX2Xs and the letter 20. It's maxx 20 You get an additional 20% off. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell that, Smitty. I got this in my... Hey, you know, unofficial sponsor. I got this in my little box today for my two sunglasses I, that came in the mail. Folks, go buy some Max Eyewear and use the promo code maxx 20 and you get 20% off a great product. They love feedback. They're not listening to me. Maybe they will. These are, I don't care. I, I can tell you what glove to use, what brush to use, what ball to use. I don't care. These are the only glasses you should use. Sorry for the lame Gilbert Godfrey. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> Billy Mays here. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi, Billy Mays here. And that's the South Park voice. It's not even well. He kind of sounded like. That. Oh boy. That we 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 ran, we ran a little long. I don't care because I like doing this, and I asked for feedback in our show. And out of our dozens and dozens of listeners, we get none. So until somebody says these are too long, mostly it's just you. But <laughs> anything else you want to talk about, Smitty? Before we wrap it up. All good, bud. I'm all good. How's your hockey season going? Uh, well, it's been on hold, like me personally playing. No, I mean, you're team, you're team. Come on, let's talk hockey for a moment. Oh, moment. The, the Sens are awful, but Toronto's playing right now. I, I do like to follow them only because they're, you know, they're Toronto. They're the center of the universe. And Austin Matthews is a sick hockey player. I love watching Austin Matthews oh, play. God, that guy's stellar. He, I, he's, I, I, he's, I remember as little as I knew about hockey, like the year he came to the league, I noticed. I'm like, whoa, who is this cat? I mean, he's yeah, good. he's he's ex- oh wow, Jason Spezza just scored one. That was a nice goal, actually. Um, I saw. Oh yeah, I, even I'm watching. I like that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. If, real quick, before we get off, if you had a good hockey comp to um, what's his name, Austin? Uh, who, who Austin Matthews. Yeah, oh, it's a- well, I'm to say Austin Meadows. 
<laughs> high high scoring centerman. That's the thing. Like he's a pure goal scorer that plays center. You rarely, rarely find that. I'm trying to think. Like Ronnie, one to do that. I would say Mario Lemieux. Wow. Okay. Well, because you're right. He's a center, and I. I'm still learning hockey, but, so if but, you tell me Ovechkin was the center, I'd be like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but, like, Mario was, like, a, a specimen, right? He was huge. He, he, was, he was built he, – like, he had so much size. Um, was he a big guy? Yeah, he, he's a big guy. He was a big guy. Um, cool. Wayne Gretzky was more of a setup guy. Ronnie Francis had a ton of – like, maybe he's – Steve Eiserman? Steve Eiserman would be a decent comp. That those are see, that's why I'm asking. Like, I feel like all the names you're gonna say are really big names, and, and we're yet to get there. I mean, we really we gotta be careful with our sports comparisons early on in these people's careers. Uh, you know what? I'd go with Joe Sackick. Joe Sackick. Oh. Yeah, he was Joe Sackick was a pretty solid goal scorer, known for a great shot. Um, played center. Yeah, I, I'd go Joe Sackick. That'd be a good cool. comp. Well, Smitty, where can the folks find you at if not shopping for Max sunglasses? Um, in between parole meetings, um, usually at work or on Twitter. So at Bomb Squad Matt. You think anyone's still listening now? <laughs> of our I, dozens hope my, of- I hope my parole officer is. I'm at home. I'm recording this on a Monday. It's where I'm supposed to be. Well, good for you. I can vouch. Thank you. <laughs> Internationally, I can vouch. Well, you can find me, folks, on Twitter and Twitter only at Jerry Lou Looper. And if you want to find me as a caddy and work for you, just request for Jerry Lou. I'm a looper. You just got to call the right phone number. So, all right, Smitty. It was great talking to you. And, um, What's our next tournament we got? What's uh what's after this? AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am. I, I just said farmers like a retard. Uh, AT and T, and then like you just told me, the waste management because it's the Super Bowl. Hmm. Who do you like at AT and T? Tiger. <laughs> Ninety nine, sure. Or two thousand. That was two thousand. That was two thousand. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I. I Jordan is obviously always at the top of my list. Okay. All right. All right. On that note, okay. I, I, I coaxed it out of him. I knew it was going to happen. Jordan Spieth, you heard it here first on the Bomb Squad podcast. We'll win the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Not at Spanish Bay. Smitty, love talking to you. Love you, bud. Wish we could do it more. I'm sure everyone else disagrees. Ah, happy Bombs Away, bitches!